time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast, where we work on thriving no matter what life is throwing our way. And boy, is life throwing something our way. Here we are, what months in now, or I guess we are at six months in, a half a year into the COVID crisis, and we're still trying to figure our way through it. I've come to realize that this is a long-term project. You know, I, I kind of remember where we were at the beginning of all this, you know, where I thought maybe it was going to be a short-term thing. I remember back in March, I was actually out of town at a conference when everything kind of hit all at once. We saw it coming. I mean, I started reading about this really in January and I was going, okay, well, it's going to affect us somehow. But I always had my kind of denial hat on for all of January and and most of February. And as February was growing, I was seeing a growing concern and was wondering what was going to happen. And then in March, I went off to a conference And it is the last conference I've been to. I had to cancel several others. I was at that conference when things started shutting down. I was kind of running out of town trying to get away as we were already trying to figure out how to deal with this. Even at that conference, we knew that things were getting bad. I remember at that conference, we all decided that there was to be no hugging. Uh, We needed to stay as distant as we could at that time, what we knew. Uh, We also made sure we were cleaning everything. I was helping run this conference. And when I got to my hotel room, I did a big rub down of it with uh, some Clorox wipes that my wife sent with me in order for us to do the best we could to avoid any problems. But that was back in March. So while I was there, I was conversing with my wife and my two kids, uh, adult kids, and uh, we decided that it might be best for all concerned for them to come on home for a little bit. Now, they were not quite sure if this was such a big deal, so I was conversing and said, yes, and we need to get you home now before things get really bad. So they came on home and brought a couple of weeks' worth of clothing with them. We thought that would be it. In fact, I was going, okay, well, three weeks, maybe four weeks. Now, the thing about that is at that point, we were way overly optimistic. I mean, we should have known better even at that point. Uh, that things were not going to get well. I mean, that it, it really was the handwriting on the wall. It was, it was all there in front of us. We just chose not to watch it. And then as time went on and we kept seeing how things were going, we knew that things were getting worse and worse. And you probably were in the same place. Maybe you had a little more insight than I did at that point, but I kept waiting for things to settle down. So for several weeks there, I did podcasts about dealing with COVID, and we got to the point where I realized that everybody was kind of now in their mode, and we left it alone for a little bit, and I kept on doing other podcasts, but I kept watching and waiting for where are we going to end with this? How is this going to go, and what's the impact on us? And here we are, six months later still in the thick of it, still watching as uh, on a daily basis, we're, at least I am looking at the figures going, are we plateauing? Are we on the downside? Are are we still headed up? And not knowing even where that comes out on the end. What's pretty clear to what I've been reading is that we will be facing this for a long time to some degree. It's not going to be like it is now. 
life will get back to normal, but it's probably going to be a little bit of an alteration on what we expected normal to be. We're going to have to figure out a new way through this and a new way to make peace with this, which leaves us with the impact this is having on all of us. You may be feeling the financial, the economic impact. You may be feeling the relational, the interactive impact of this. You may be feeling results of this that you don't even foresee coming, right? The the places where you didn't even see an impact and suddenly it's there. It's now been six months since I've been to jujitsu. I can't, in my mind, figure out how you do that safely. I mean, jujitsu is one of the most closely in contact sports I've ever been a part of in my life for extended periods of time, for minutes at a time. I am in intimate contact with somebody, breathing in their face, being breathed on, dripped on. I mean, it's just full contact in close quarters. And so I can't figure out how to make that safe. And that really has been difficult. It's something I've really missed because I had friends there. I was enjoying the exercise. I was enjoying the mental challenge of it. And now the best I can do is make a dummy at home and roll with it on the floor. And it's not anywhere near the same. That's a small loss, though. I know people who have lost businesses. We've certainly had an impact in in the places that I work. I know people who have lost their jobs. And we face that with our kids trying to figure out what they're going to do. So all of these impacts are different, and yet we're in this collectively. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this particular situation. It's a moment where we as the world and particularly the U.S., are in a situation that we have to face collectively, and yet the impact is very individual. I also know people who are not so much affected by this directly. I mean, there there are certainly impacts. Maybe they've changed how they interact with people. But in many ways, some people have figured out how to capitalize on this. And, And so the impact is there in very different ways. But what I've noticed is that there is this level of emotional impact that I haven't seen the same way. And that's why the title of this is, I'm feeling a little acetic. So you might be wondering what acetic is. It doesn't mean I'm acidic. It doesn't mean I'm going to melt away. But acetic, there's an ancient idea that really comes from uh, Greek a history of acedia. And it was an idea that was espoused particularly uh, in Christian monastic life as one of the things they had to be careful about. And it's a really good description of the feeling that people are having these days, the experience they're having. What I've noticed these days is that people kind of are vacillating. Now, there are plenty of times when we're just doing fine, doing okay, right? And there are moments when life just, we, we've kind of adapted. And you may feel that. There are times when my day is just going the way my day goes. Now, I will admit, I had a head start. I've been working from my home office now for five years exclusively. So I had a head start on dealing with that. I had a head start on using Zoom for connecting with people and Skype and all kinds of other ways over the years. So I was very much used to reaching out virtually. Doing podcasts like this, it's not any different than before. Writing books, no different than before. 
But where the change is, is that every, everything else I do adds some extra layer to it. Going to the store, you know, I find myself forgetting to pick up things at the store. I find myself having to reach back in and grab the mask. I find myself feeling almost odd if I'm somewhere that I can take off my mask. The other day, my wife and I were walking around in another neighborhood, and we'd gone there to go to a business. And so we'd gone into business with our mask on. We were walking around, and I suddenly realized nobody was around us, yet she and I both had our mask on. So there are these moments when life is almost normal, but where life is an extra challenge because you have to think one extra step, which means, for me at least, that when I'm at the store or when I'm running an errand or doing something else, I tend to sometimes forget what I was there to get because I'm so busy making sure I'm safe getting it. So there's the impact of that, which leads to what lots of people have been feeling, kind of an annoyance. You know, it's not like people can say, oh, I'm angry about this, because who do you aim your anger at? But you can be annoyed at what's going on. And we watch that on a regular basis as people's annoyance spills over, right? They take it out. Their annoyance they have about the situation then begins to be focused on somebody that has a different opinion of them on how to deal with this. Everybody's trying to find a way back to normal. And that's the struggle. How do we make things get back to normal when things are very much not normal? So on the one end, we have annoyance, which really is an active anger. And usually toward some situation. When I'm annoyed, I'm annoyed by some situation. I'm annoyed by having to stand in line, for instance. It's not that I'm annoyed with the person in front of me in line, but I'm annoyed of the line. Or I'm annoyed at the traffic. I'm not annoyed at the driver in front of me or behind me, but just annoyed by the traffic. Those are the annoyances of life where you can't really aim it at the people around us, even when people do. So on one end is annoyance, but then there's this other thing which is a little harder for us to have defined because it's not really depression. There are people who are depressed. Let me be clear about that. That's, that's a fact of where we are with what's going on. It can be overwhelming. But this idea of acedia is something else. It's more about being listless, kind of not caring. It's as if your care has been removed for a short amount of time. And so it can feel like a mild depression. But I think there are some important things. One is that depression tends to be a regular baseline. When people are depressed, generally it's, a, it's like their whole level of energy is pushed down. It just is pushed down. And, and so anything they experience, let's say they have a better day, it doesn't mean they're undepressed. It's just a better day or a worse day because everything is on a depressed level. It's pushed down. Acedia, on the other hand, is something that can come and go. So you can be in a good mood. You can be annoyed. You can be feeling acetic. And all in the same period of time. Acedia is more this listlessness that's not caring And the thing about this is that it can tend to come on certain periods of time. If you're like a lot of people who are working at home, you may find yourself just kind of 
doing nothing really. I mean, you check mail and you check it again or email, check email again. You go check on something else. You come back and you check email again. And you know in two minutes it's not going to be any different, but you push it again just because there's nothing else you really want to be doing. It's kind of like an avoidance of just, I'll just keep going through these motions to make me, myself feel like I'm doing something when I'm really not. So that's that listlessness of not caring, just not really worried and caring about what's going on in that moment. This is a very different not caring than a placid relaxation. You know, if you're lying by the pool, you may not care about life at that moment either because everything's okay, right? You're, it, you're at a very uh, less caring place because you're enjoying that experience. You're relaxed. Same thing when you're by the sea, at least for me, that's the feeling. Where I, it's not really, I'm not caring because I'm relaxed. This is not caring like, I don't care. I don't care at all. I want to have something else, it's, right? It's uh, really about uh, a not caring because it's disconnected from me emotionally. I'm just distancing. It's more akin to kind of a depressive disconnection. So the interesting thing about this term, acedia, the church used it as one of those ways of thinking that we needed to defend against. It was the dangerous thought process because it can spiral us away from things. And it was really a tie, tied to the ascetic life of monks. So here we have monks who have pledged themselves to be isolated, to be by themselves, to have times when they get together and have prayer together. They might even have silent meals together. But for the most part, they were keeping to themselves to be in prayer and meditation. And this was considered to be the noonday demon, the one that's whispering, you know, it'd be better off if you were with others. It'd be better off if you were back home. Why are you doing this? This doesn't really matter. That's the whispering of acedia. And it's an important thing to pay attention to because it points to one of the places it comes from. The state of restlessness or inability to work or pray came to them because of the isolation in parts and because of almost a loneliness that was encroaching upon them. And that gives us a clue to what's going on in our daily life right now. When we are disconnected, we tend to lose our ability to work, our ability to focus, because it begins to feel like it doesn't matter. I've had conversations with lots of people who have now gone virtual at their office. And before, they would go to the office and they would be with people. They would interact with people and they would go do their work. And then they would have interactions with people. And it was kind of a, a vacillation between work and connection, work and connection. Now it's work and empty, work and disconnection. And that tends to drive this feeling of acedia into our lives in ways that we're not used to. There are some symptoms that you can look for to kind of assess whether this is what's catching you. You may have already self-diagnosed just by hearing me describe some of what I just said, but if not, here are a few symptoms. One is sleep disturbance. Now, some people are telling me that they're just, they're kind of getting up, they're going through a little bit of a morning, and then they're taking a nap. It's not that they're tired. It's just disturbed sleep. 
they're having a hard time sleeping at night, having a hard time getting up and going in the day. There's some disturbance to their sleep. The second symptom is disconnection from others. And here's the thing. When we're disconnected from other people, it tends to have somewhat of a cumulative effect. The more disconnected we are, the more we tend to disconnect. My wife and I were talking about this just today. She said, hey, have you checked on? And she named some friends. I'm like, oh, man, I keep meaning to. But the longer I go without connecting with friends, without checking in with friends, the less it goes on my mind, which only serves to isolate us. And that's the problem. This disconnection grows on its own. And the more it grows, the more we feel it. The more we feel it, the more it grows. And around and around it goes. Third symptom is dissatisfaction with life. Now, this is one of those places that's a little bit different than depression. Many times with depression, it's not so much that there's a dissatisfaction with life as much as there's a don't care about life. The, the feeling of acedia is more tied to this, I just don't care. I don't care about this. I'm dissatisfied with it. It's not a full lack of care. It's a dissatisfaction with the way life is going. I'm not talking to too many people who are satisfied with the way life is going these days. So pretty often I'm hearing from people who are having a hard time sleeping, feel very disconnected from people around them, and very dissatisfied with what life is giving them right now. This leads to number four, something that I think we're all seeing more and more and hearing more and more about, and that's a lack of attention to details of life. People who stop getting dressed for work, people who stop shaving, bathing, eating well, exercising, worried about any appearance, kind of went out the window. And so as I've talked to companies who are dealing with connecting by Zoom, they're finding more and more that they have to set rules about how you can't do the Zoom meeting from your bed and you can't be wearing pajamas and you need to shave and look like you're going to work. That's trying to bring that attention back into life. Number five is just a lack of caring and feelings toward things that you once held, things that brought you joy. And again, this can come and go. So you may go, I just don't care about that, and then find yourself caring later, and then being annoyed by the loss of it later, and so it can come and go. Those are all symptoms of acedia. It's basically a gloominess, kind of a loss of hope, and a yearning for, and this is an important point, some former life, some place you were before. That seems to be what drove it for the monks. They started to yearn for being back to family and friends and you know, being in a different situation. Isn't that what we're feeling these days with COVID? Of just wanting to get back to the way things were, or get, being able to go to a restaurant or to a movie or to somewhere else with either wanting to go at all or go and feel safe going. Now, I find myself going to the store. I used to like to go to the store. Now it's it's. It's a, something that has to happen. We're going to eat, but it's not something that I enjoy. It's something that has to be done. So many things in life have become a have to be done. How do I do it? And, you know, move on. So this whole yearning for previous life is kind of where we're at. Which raises the question, 
if we're feeling a little acetic, what do we do about that? Well, one of the things I think we do about is accept the fact that we're feeling it. To let that be okay. The fact is that you're feeling something that's normal given the circumstances. And to accept that. And that doesn't mean you're stuck with it. You can say, okay, it's a normal feeling, but I would like to feel different. So first of all, before I get into how do you deal with this, let's just acknowledge that it's okay if you're feeling this way. It's part of our reaction, our natural reaction to these circumstances. So let's say that you go, yes, it's normal and I would like for it to be different. What do you do? Well, here's your acedia antidote. The first piece is to connect. Safely, but connect. Start reaching out. So I've decided that part of my habit is to reach out by calling or texting or even finding some way of doing some Zoom calls with people who are important to me because I've realized I've let that go. I think we all have in many ways. So to get back to the place where we're connecting with others, even if it's at a distance, humans are made for connection. Studies have shown it repeatedly that when we are starved for connection, it tends to hurt our health physically and emotionally. So the first step is to figure out how you can safely connect. That doesn't mean to go to the party. doesn't mean to have a cookout. It does mean that we find ways of both being safe from what's going on and being connected with those around us that are important. Some people have developed their pods of people that they know and can trust that they are also doing everything they can to manage their risks in their life. That pod can be the resource. If you haven't found your pod, that might be an important place to begin to look for the safe place, to have some connection with people. It still may be regulated. When we've gotten together with people that we feel safe with, we still maintain some distance, some social distance, and maintain some distance in physical connection. But there is still a chance to interact, which is what we humans so desperately need. The second is challenge. This is a tough one because when you say, I don't feel like doing something, the question is, are you willing anyway to find a challenge? That's one of the things I've been working on during this this time is to say, okay, how can I challenge myself? How can I change up my exercise to ramp it up a little bit, just to challenge myself a little bit, to try a little bit harder somewhere, or maybe try something else different professionally. So I've, I've tried a couple of things new professionally just to give myself a new challenge. When we take on a challenge, it usually expands our energy base. Now, challenge is different than success. You don't have to succeed at something to take on a challenge. So just decide you're you're going to challenge yourself a little bit more to see if you can expand into something a little bit more. Number three is care. Self-care and dealing with the care of others, and finding what you care about, all three of those. So we need to make sure that we're still nurturing ourselves, eating well, getting some exercise, getting a rest, dealing with our stress, and helping others do that. With those around us, if they're people living with you, to make sure that everybody's getting the care they need. But I want to take this one step further and to say you've got to reconnect with what you care about in the world. What do you care about enough 
that it drives you beyond your stuck place to try to make a difference. Care is about finding your place of significance, of purpose. And what most people find is that when they locate that, it drives them and pulls them through the difficult times because they're willing to push through to take care of what matters the most. When we say, I don't care, if I talk with people, generally I can find the place where they do care, that there's something deep within them that cares enough to put forth the energy even when they're not feeling it. Locate that place of care in you. See what you can do to move in that direction. Number four is create. Find something creative. Maybe it's arranging flowers or painting a picture or drawing a picture or remodeling something in your house or writing a book or writing some poetry or writing some letters, but doing something that's creative creates energy. When we can bring something out of nothingness, it creates a new energy within us. So find a place, if you haven't already, that you can be creative. If you're musical, be musical. If you're artistic, be artistic, but something that feeds your soul in the creative process. Remember this. Hope is a simple equation. Hope equals having a goal plus the means to get to that goal that you know somehow how to get there plus the agency, the desire to do it. That's it. A goal, a way to get to that goal, and a wish to get there. Acedia comes when we lose sense of the goal or lose sight of how to get there, or lose our desire to get there. So what part is missing for you? Where do you need to fill in the blank to move forward and to feel a little less ascetic? If this has been helpful, I hope you'll share it with others. Remember, there is a Coping with COVID series that you can find. There's a link in the show notes. And if this has been helpful... Let other people know about the podcast. You can leave a review wherever you're listening to the podcast, or you can send a link to someone you think needs to hear it. And if you're interested in my books on thriving, you can check me out by going to leebalkum.com. That's leebalkum.com. Or check out all the books at thrivology.com slash books. That's thrivology.com slash books. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thrivology.